This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're gonna get some wisdom because we are going to review some sage advice. Yeah, we asked you what the best advice you've ever received was and that was because we were asked that question by Stana US uh, who asked us on Twitter what is the best advice someone has ever given you with the most impact on your life. And we were like, you know what? Let's That's take a good a, question. We'll answer that. We're, we're gonna try to answer that, but we're also, we sent that question back to you and got all the advice that you thought was the most impactful in your entire life. And we're gonna go through and evaluate whether or not it's good advice. <laughs> no, we're, we're just gonna go through and uh, take the advice that you've taken to heart to heart and discuss and discuss, was that the end of your sentence? And discuss. And discuss. We're going to it. discuss it. It. Uh, I think it's un it is unnecessary in that sentence. I think there's a, we need to put a disclaimer at the top of this thing, so just bear with me. You are, know, you, are you gonna do a Prop 65 thing? No. What I, I'm, this I'm, podcast has been known by the state of California to potentially cause cancer. <laughs> I, I saw that on my freaking fiber supplement. What? Yeah. Was it the bottle or was it the pills that you're swallowing? It was the bag of just, is it psyllium husk? Yeah. Fiber that I take if I need to regulate myself, uh, which I don't take so it very much anymore. So if you ate the bag, you'd get, you might get but cancer. No, it had a sticker on it that I've never seen before. And I got this, like you know, I got like the natural stuff that's supposed to be the purest, it's just 100% psyllium husk. And then all of a sudden there's this thing, this sticker and it's like, Prop 65, but it it's, it doesn't say this substance or substance in this bag has been known to cause cancer in the state of California. It says C, like prop65.gov slash food or whatever the address, I'm like what, you, why? So it's not talking about the container. I think it's just like you, should, talking about you should know the, about the what foods to watch out for, I don't oh, know. No, Sorry I brought it up. I was just gonna say, advice is a certain type of opinion. And as you know, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one and most of them stink. So that tells me that advice is like a butthole farting in your specific direction. It's an implication that like, I I've got- I would say unsolicited advice. I've got an opinion on something you should do. So you got, we got it, you gotta be careful that you're sniffing the fart of somebody that 
is worthy of sniffing. I think unsolicited advice is like a butthole, but solicited advice No, no, opinions a, are like a butthole. But advice is advice, a type of opinion. Ad, advice is a, is a fart directed at you. But if I ask you for your opinion on something, it's not like a butthole anymore. If I give you advice. Unsolicited. <laughs> then yeah, you, I mean, you need to evaluate the source of the advice, which we're not gonna do here. We're I gonna think, take everybody. I think you know, solicited but, opinions are just like a whole ass. Just not as, you know what I'm saying? It's like, but the butthole, you know. I'm saying that in it, but <laughs> I'm also saying that advice in general is an opinion directed at you. It's an implication like, this is my opinion on what you should do with yourself, how you should conduct yourself. Yeah. You know, so we're in dangerous territory here. You gotta watch the farts you're sniffing. But we're not giving any advice, we're just evaluating advice that people have been given. So and we're we, not showing our asses at all. And we've picked stuff that's resonated with us. I think, you know, I think this is gonna be an uplifting conversation and it better be because it needs to last for three more weeks. Because I hate to break it to you, oh, yeah. dear Ibrisketeer, but we're gonna go dark for the next three weeks. We're taking our summer break. We're taking a break. Three weeks uh, with no ear biscuits, but there's a lot of ear biscuits that you can go, go back, back and to. listen to. There's also, you know what, I hate to say it, I mean, there's also other podcasts. I mean, that is a just, thing that you could just, also listen to. Just over the next three weeks, just go back through our podcast. I'm sure there's something that you, that you missed. I hear that people listen to them multiple times because they're doing stuff when they're listening to it and you know, you. You kind of fall in you and out get, of you uh, get of fifty percent or less. Yeah. Anyway, even if you're listening intently. Yeah, I mean, I I I probably need to listen to them over the next three weeks. Because why don't you do that? I I'm sure I missed some stuff. Have you ever listened to an episode of Ear Biscuits? I, I listen to uh, I listen to myself when I'm speaking, <laughs> and sometimes I listen to you when you're speaking. Right. But no, I I have not listened back to an Ear Biscuit in a long time. Maybe ever, I think when we first when we first started making these, I would, maybe the interviews. Maybe I'd I would listen to, a to them in order to figure out what it is we wanted to do. Yeah, um, it's quite a time commitment to listen to yourself for over an hour when you're already there. And if yeah, if you put it if you put it on double speed or something, um, you really can't. Then it just sounds you, weird. You really don't learn that much. You miss all the emotion. Um, but I we, think it's I think it's working well enough for me not to try to make it better. We're gonna answer that question ourselves before the break. Not before the break that we just talked about, the three week break, but like before the break where we do our ad. What are so you talking about? We're gonna just, answer just the talk. question. We're gonna answer the question about what our best piece of advice was. When, right now? Yeah. Okay, well then just do it. Um, you talking about a break like we're about to take one. Well, we're gonna take one eventually. Eventually. But not the three week break. When you start talking the about a break, break, here's when I listen back to our podcast, here's the one thing I've learned. Don't talk about a break if you're not gonna take it because then people think you're about to take it. Yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah, we'll take one. You know, we're not about to take a break. Eventually. We're still doing the show. Um, we haven't even gotten started. You're talking about taking a break. I have some advice that I have used. I just feel myself saying it, and we say it all the time. It's what you make it. It's what you make it. It's what you make it. And I always say it like that, it's what you make it. Like you're quoting someone. Right, and yeah, the I thing that's, that's been too. driving me nuts 
is not remembering who gave us the advice. But I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you what I do know. I don't know who gave it. Who, who. It was in the context of a person talking about marriage. It's what you make it. But I've used it in many, many different arenas. You know me and my arena. Just life in general. Um, it's got, you know, it's it's what you make it. It's what you make it. It's up. It's up to you now. As we will see when we get into some of these other questions, that ain't true. it's not completely up to you, but it's a good, like when you think about a situation that you're entering into, it's like, how do you, and I think the, the, the thing the guy was talking about was like, how do you have a good marriage? And it's just like, it's what you make it. I think. I, did, I just, now, I, I, cause I would have been like, did is this something Greg said in college? No, cause Greg said, you don't, Learn, you know what you know, you don't learn anything. When I was getting ready to study for a test. There were, there were, yeah, clear ulterior motives in that piece of in sage wisdom. Which I gotta say, while I have used that conveniently for my own purposes, I do not think it's good advice because I do actually think you learn things. <laughs> I think that. I hope, I, yeah, I hope. It, I, I, I think you true. learn things. I think there is capacity for learning. I think I've learned some things, yeah. But I think it was. It's what you make it. At the. One of the fall retreats. Are you are you sure you're not getting it confused with? It's part of it, like, like a, as a Dale Earnhardt quote. That's part of it. When it's like that's that's racing. That's what that's I, what I'll, Earnhardt said. I say you know, that when, a when lot too. When he would too. do stuff that people did, you know, the, he would he would drive in a way that he would clang and bang up against the other cars and um, get a little rowdy and be like, "That's racing." I think that's an Earnhardt quote. I don't know. Well, it could be a Waltrip quote. I don't. I've never watched an entire NASCAR race. You're saying that's racing is a, is the racing version of that's part of it. You're not yeah. saying that Dale Earnhardt came up with that's part of it because I think that like I a think caveman came up with that's part of it. Like I think that as soon as a language was a thing, someone said that's part of it. And that's not really advice. It's just kind of a saying, right? It life is what you make it, but life is what you make it is advice. Because it's because I it's I feel a, like advice is it's implying a state of mind. It, it, well, it's also uh, advice. Focus on what you can control is an opportunity to do something, right, or to not do something. But there's there is a response that is intended from advice. Every moment of your life, you never get back. But I think that it was at that, that fall retreat. Um, one of those fall retreats that we went to is students involve a campus crusade. And it was like the guy who was speaking there and I think he was doing a talk on marriage. He also talked about genital warts. I mean, that's one of the things that I remember vividly. I wasn't there for that. His, were, there, were there photos? No, no, his opening, his opening You're salvo. You're getting this confused with health class, like Coach no, 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 Bunch no. teaching you about. I specifically remember it. He told a story about a man who did something like had promiscuous sex or cheated on his wife or something and it was just like, and that man got genital warts and I was like, whoa, we're going here? <laughs> All right, okay, what does that mean? And then he was like, and that man was me. And it's like, whoa, so you got genital warts. And and so. I was not there for this. So, okay, I would, so you, I would've so you, remembered that. You would've remembered that. You, you think he, and then he was like, and genital warts are what you make them. What? <laughs> no, and then because the way that they did the fall retreats is. Yeah, if you get the warts, it's. There was always, it, there was a guy. Who, it's what you make it. There was a guy, it was always a guy, who spoke uh, the entire weekend. And so his opening talk was genital warts. 
and I mean, he had us. He had us by the genital warts at that point. It was like, we're, wh- whatever this guy says, we're, we're, don't miss any of the main talks, right? Because he opened with genital warts. Mm. And then he went to just talking about relationships and marriage or something, and I kind of swear he said, it's what you make it. And it didn't seem revolutionary at the time, and I don't necessarily think that it is revolutionary, but the question was, that has impacted you the most. And I just find myself in situations all the time and I'm like, it's what you make it. <laughs> and it, it's, it has been helpful as a joke but also as a, as a reality. Because it, it helps you focus on what you can control in any given situation yeah. as opposed to the parts that you can't. I think we'll come back to that. You know, I think there's some advice. It, you know, it's it's not just is the advice good, but it's who is the advice for? You know, it's like the advice that has always resonated with me is anything worth doing is worth doing right. But that's a bit problematic for a guy like me that get gets over-focused on the rightness of things and going about them in the right way. Because you might not do something if you don't think you can do it right. Yeah, there is a, there is there's some fear and trepidation um, if that rings in my ears too much. And then it's, okay, you know, it's it's never clear cut. I'd like to believe that it is. It's like, okay, this is perfected, I can move on. So it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta balance all these things. Um, Nana's, ver- what you make it. Nana's version of that was don't half-ass it. Right. You know, which we've talked about. Um, I, I've had a hard time, like, like there's not a lot of mottos that ring in my head that have that were once just pieces of advice. I remember when we were going on a trip to to shoot some videos. Um, a guy told me, a guy who I admire, he said, "Hey, just remember, it's better to have a good story than a good time." And it, and I was like, you know, I kind of like that because we're trying to make a. If you're in a, and I've I've talked about this before on the show. If you're in a situation. And it's it sucks. You're like, well, at least I can tell a story about it because I have a podcast, or you have friends or people who will listen. Now, yeah, I like telling a good story. So that's that's always helped give me perspective when I'm going through something crappy. But it's a little bit weird to say it before you're in that situation. Well, especially because I think that being present is actually yeah a better advice. That's not, I understand, if you're going through a difficult time, it's just like better to have a good story than a good time. Like if you're in the middle, like it's one of those crazy I think it's vacations where everything's this going sucks, wrong. but at least like I'll, I'll be able to, if I live to tell it, I will tell and it. And usually what I say in those situations is, well, this makes a great story. Like I, I'm in the middle of, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm up yeah. Shit's Creek without a paddle, but at least it's a good story, and like you said, especially when you have a place to tell the story. Um, but I don't think that if I'm getting ready to like go do something fun, better to have a good story than a good time is good advice. Because what about when I'm? What about the joy yeah. that is pre- is available for me in the present? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was great advice in that sense, <laughs> but I still really like it. You know, well, Remember, what about? Remember who you are. You know, like parents send their kids out into some something that they're gonna do and, and they, they come to the front door and they're like, hey, hey, hey! Remember who you are. Have you ever said that to one of your children? Uh, sometimes I'd be like, 
Remember, you're Neil. <laughs> and what is that supposed to communicate? Don't embarrass me. I don't say that often, and I'm not the type. I don't. I I just don't. Th- I I don't find myself ever giving like these quotable pieces of advice to my kids. It's like maybe yeah. I, it's not quotable, not bite size. It's more. But what I am guilty of, and I know you're just as guilty of it as I am, uh, is giving advice in general to our kids. And 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 this is it's actually something that is something that Jesse and I have talked a lot about. Is that sometimes we get into a conversation with our kids, like they're just telling us about their day, they're telling us about something they did or something they're going to do. And then there's like this dad button that gets pressed, and the dad button, and you get the response like, now. If you're gonna do that, think about this. Or did you? Well, did you? When that happened, did you learn that? Blah 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 blah. It's like unsolicited. If, if you've got a friend who talks like that, like every single time they tell you something, you you tell them something, they they give you advice about it. It's like I, that's not. Dude, I, what do you think I am? A screw up? I'm telling you this so that we can connect because I thought you might find it interesting because you might be able to add something to it or you might be able to respond to it with a perspective, yeah. but not to then tell me what I should have done differently or what I should have kept in mind. And, yeah, I, I, and I, I do that with my kids too often. I find when my kids talk about their friends, like things that are happening with their friends, I'm, I've, I'm apparently filtering the conversation through an analysis of do I approve of their friends? Do I, you know, because, your, f- oh, your yeah. friends are so powerful. That's probably there's probably a piece of advice in there. You are who you hang out with, or so, isn't? There's yeah. probably a catchier version of that. But I, I think that I filter things through that platitude. So then, when they're just talking about their day or something that happened, I'm like, well, you know, if you're that that type of person, is not, if they if they do that, then that's not really a true friend. A true friend is someone who blah 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 blah. You know, I end up. Analyzing and and trying to protect, but you, I guess, you want to get to a point where they're they're actually it's solicited advice. Our well, kids and, are asking, and, "Hey, I'm in this situation, or this person said this to me. How, I I don't know how to respond, or you know." Well, and if they don't do that, I think that they're and I don't have this perfected. I don't even have it like remedially understood. But the thing that I'm trying to do now is ask questions in a way that's not like a detective, not like a leading question. So I seem like I'm manipulating, but it's like, okay, I'm having this conversation. There is something that I feel like I need to communicate about this because I still do have advice. I have been around longer. I have a perspective on this. And I think I've got a little own, wisdom about left, this. And our kids left to their own devices don't ask for advices. Right, and so then I'll ask a question I mean, my kids are smart enough to know that I'm what I'm getting at, but at least it doesn't come across like, well, did you know here is the thing that I'm going to tell you? But it's more like, have you thought about this or uh, how are you feeling about this? And at least it gets them talking and maybe you get someplace where they come to a conclusion. I don't know, it's tough being a dad. But you know what? We don't have to come up with all the advice. We've got some great right. advice from people. We're gonna start going through it. Ear Biscuits is supported by apartments.com. And if you're looking for an apartment, you know, there's. you should get in touch with what it is that you can get most excited about. Maybe that's an apartment with a balcony. 
Mm. Or windows that face a sunset. Oh. I mean, if you're really gonna get into thinking about it, because you are gonna live there. Hardwood floors in the kitchen, maybe. Mm. Well, apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. They have powerful tools like amenity filters to make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, like in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. Oh, did you say balcony? Did you say elevator? Some people love a good elevator. Or save searches. You can favorite the listings that stood out to you so that you can revisit them and won't lose what could be an amazing future home. I, I like the idea of like one of those things that's usually on top of a barn that says what direction the wind's blowing. Oh, a wind uh, thing thing. with a rooster. Yeah. Yeah. That. Visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, let's get started. Sometimes I tell tell my kids, don't think, just do. That's probably, and it's ironic. In what context? Usually when it's like they're standing on the edge of a pool and they're afraid to jump in because it's cold. I was gonna say, in like an athletic context, yeah, that's that's great advice. Because the thinking and the doing is supposed to be happening in sync. If you're thinking, you've already, the guy's already gone around you. But Somebody it's also, else has jumped in the pool. It's also <laughs> ironic you. because it, 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 it's not what I want them to do in their non-athletic lives, which is the vast majority of their lives. Oh, hold on, that I'm sounded like a cut. Kids. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Your kids are non-athletic? My, my kids, my kids are not sports kids minded. Are, yeah, but I wouldn't say they're non-athletic. They just might not be like super into sports. But like, if you like threw like a hot dog at them, they'd probably catch it. Don't you think? I'll test. Try that. that. <laughs> I'll test that today. That's the ultimate test of athleticism. Throw a hot dog straight from the fridge right at your child's face, and if it hits them in the face, you know what? Hopefully, they're smart because <laughs> <laughs> they're not athletic. they're not athletic. Um, okay. Uh, Give me some advice, Ariana. Man. Bear skulls on Twitter. Uh, my grandmother. It's bear skulls, but the U is a V. Yeah, I was just trying to be phonetic. My grandmother always used to tell me, "Look towards the sunshine, and the shadows will fall behind you." That's true from from like a physics standpoint. Every time the sun is out, it makes me feel like she's watching over me and making sure I'm taking care of myself. I mean, it isn't it so sweet to. If, if you have these memories of grandparents or someone that means something to you that like, even if they passed, that they passed along something that can can echo like that. And for it to be so positive, look towards the sunshine. Actually, be positive and the shadows will fall behind you. I think there's a, and it's, I, I consider myself a generally positive person. Um, and I think it's, but I think it's more of a coping mechanism with me. It's like, oh gosh, it's like, if I can convince myself that when things are not going well, cause that does happen, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll, I'll feel better if I can minimize. Um, but I've, I've met some people that I seem more like genuinely positive people. They have like a gift for it. They can, you know, they can turn from the shadow and see the, and see the sunshine. Maybe they're the just moment. so good at applying this kind of advice that they're secretly they're, you know, they're catastrophizing. But the advice is for people who don't have a natural gift at it because they don't need the advice. So, and it does involve, you know, you you can make a choice in any situation what you're going to focus on. 
mm-hmm. and and how how you're going to see it, how you're going to process it. I mean, this advice has been given in a lot of different contexts. You know, you've got "Keep on the Sunny Side of Life," that great song. Um, but then, Locke and I actually had a, this conversation the other day, um, and talking about, and I'm sure that you've been having similar conversations with your teenage kids and your all your kids. Um, but I think that. COVID has been especially frustrating for teenagers because you just think about what your life was like when you were 16 and to have all these restrictions put on. You have so much life to where live. Where you can go, like yeah. You, you, and you're you kinda, haven't lived most right, of it. And you're like, it's oh. frustrating. The summer of my 16th year is, what, I, I gotta, Wear masks if I want to be around my friends, and if I and probably be outside with them, and like I have to ask them questions about where they've been and where their families have been. And it's like this is incredibly frustrating, especially considering the fact that if a teenager gets the coronavirus, I mean the chances of it being even even them even knowing they've got it is pretty small, right? It's like, it's, it's not gonna affect them personally, so it's this completely, almost completely like selfless thing that they have to do. And so, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about how difficult this has been and the, and the way that I gave him some advice the other day is I was like. Look towards the sunshine and the shadows will Well, that's what I you. should have said. But what what I said is like, I mean, this is not as good of advice as, as this because it's not as simple, but I was like, you're going through something right now and I can write a story about it. I can, and I can write two, two different scripts, right? And one script is that this is really difficult and really restrictive and your parents are, are taking this too seriously and you know all the negative things that you can see. But then there's the positive side of the script, which is like when you look back on this, you'd be like, I lived through this really weird time and it made me reevaluate my friendships. And we, I mean, we kind of went through like all the, the positive way that you could, the things that you could focus on. It's like, you know, your parents are healthy, you're healthy. Nobody that we know has gotten this. There's not other, other health conditions that we're already, we're not, nobody in our family's immunocompromised. Like you start sort of counting all your blessings and the things that you have been privileged to the position that you're in and you're like, oh, okay, that helps. You turn towards the positive and and then I was like, because your circumstances are not gonna change, right? Like we're gonna be in this for a while and if you're expecting me to do something to make it okay for you or you're expecting your friends to do something, no, the only thing that you can do is you can write your own script. You can turn towards the sunshine, turn away from the darkness and I think that and I'm t- I'm kind of giving myself that advice as I give it to him because we're all going, this has been difficult for everybody, right? But to say like, all right, where can I be grateful? What can I focus on? Um, because I got I have a whole lot to be thankful for. And when I do that, all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, this, it's, it's truly helpful. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. 
making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV. Like an adventure-ready RAV4, available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So, visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The Black Sheep responded to our prompt and said, uh, Life-changing advice was to always remember Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R, before getting upset at somebody else over petty things. And then um, she put the definition of Sonder, which I had never heard that. Well, the I, definition... I actually had this pulled up. Uh, not, I don't, I actually... Sonder is now a, it is a company no. that is like Airbnb, but, People never live in the homes, but it makes you it. But it's like a curated hotel and a home experience that no one ever lived in. That ain't what we're talking about, right? Because it was a as a term coined in 2012 by John Coring or Coning, whose project, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, aims to come up with new words for emotions that currently lack words. Mm. And this one is inspired by German. Sonder, which means special, in French, sonder, which means to probe. And his definition is the profound feeling of realizing that everyone, including strangers, passed in the street has a life as complex as one's own, which they are constantly living despite one's personal lack of awareness of it. So, and the, 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 go back to the definition she posted. It's a little more succinct. Sonder, noun. The realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. The, and I love this, I wanna remember this word. I'm gonna say it three times. Sonder, 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 I've got it. I'm doubtful, but. It, behind, behind every face, there's a story. Look over sonder. And that, that is something that we've talked about. You know, when you interact with people, you never know what's going on in their life. I, I tend to immediately think about seeing strangers get angry, like a road, on the internet. like a road rage situation. Okay, well we can talk about the internet too, but yes, when you when you see somebody or you read their their comment or whatever, it's tough not to just re react to how it impacts you or how it strikes you, even if it's just a passerby that is not impacting you at all, but this. It's it's an it's a good exercise to say, and there's a there's a story being lived out there. There's that person's going through something. And and when somebody does something that's like a head scratcher or like worse, like that person is lashing out in anger, just to, to stop and sonderize it, say, you know what? I've been really angry before and sometimes it's not justified, but there were other things going on in my life that I knew about or didn't couldn't put my finger on. It's like just to have a little a little pause for for compassion. 
And also when you are about to get angry at someone for something, mm-hmm. right? When they say or do something unintentionally, intentionally or otherwise, I, when you think, oh, it's just empathy, right? It's, it's putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and just understanding that, yeah. They, they, and they also are worried about the way that they look and they sound to the same degree that you are, right? Everyone's obsessed with, with themselves. I know that I'm gonna make mistakes in life. I'm gonna wrong people. I'm gonna be, uh, you know, I'm gonna place my needs above other people. I'm gonna do things that I regret, regret and that I'm sorry for. Um, and I'm gonna do things that are also misinterpreted and can be misinterpreted a lot worse than they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want people to, to, to give me the benefit of the doubt when entering into a situation and a dialogue with me about whatever mistake I made or potentially made. You know, it goes a long way for people to believe the best. It's like, I don't know if you meant this when you said it, but it struck me in this way. Mm-hmm. Or it seems like you said this, I don't know if that's what you intended, is is an example of yeah. opening a conversation that's not like, that is the worst thing, like that's stupid or that's ignorant or um, it could just be a mistake or a misunderstanding. Now believing the best, in some situations, I think the best that you can believe is still pretty bad in a certain situation. Of course. There are people who do bad things like I and said, they do it on, should be held they do it on purpose. This is not about excusing anyone's no. behavior. Um, but believing, in general, believing the best in people and applying that filter whenever I find myself um, getting up in arms, you know, that saying implies that like you want to attack, right? So, and I think we get to that with another piece of advice, so maybe I'll leave it at that, but I do wanna just remember Sonder, and I think it's a good, for some reason, I, I because I don't live in New York and we visit New York City, okay, like I always think of that environment because you're like walking around and you're you're seeing so many faces. I, that's what I picture with Sonder, is that like I'm on a street corner, I'm always overwhelmed when I go back in a good way. That's like, well, look at all these people just moving with these the the, the, the traffic lights. Or even when you and, get on but, it. behind every per, behind every set of eyes, there's a story. And just, you know, there's there's something in that that kind of makes me swell up with like pride to be a human that's like, look, there's, so, there's a vivid experience there that I know nothing about. Yeah, I think about that when I'm on elevators with people sometimes. It's a fun, it's a fun practice. I think it's a good habit to cultivate. And, and then I don't I wonder, talk about. I don't talk to them. I don't say well, anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. Could be problematic being the elevator talker, but it is a good habit. I think it puts you in your place to like, when you see somebody, say, "I wonder what their story is," and then and then it might be fun just to make something up just in your own mind, but as long as you don't convince yourself that's them, and then say, "I can't believe." That you left the gate open on the tiger cage at the well. That's the zoo. That's one of my favorite things about that Duplass Brothers book. Oh yeah, is how they will sit in an airport next to each other and they'll see somebody or a couple and they begin basically saying who they are. Writing a screenplay. Writing a screenplay. Ear biscuits is supported by Mountain Dew.
We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, okay. having a blast while you file your taxes. What? No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, where you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you and for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so do not wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary. Open to US residents 18 and over, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15th, 2024, void where prohibited. Miranda Limkey, mythical Imkey. Always check air and fluid in your vehicle before going on a long trip. My dad, when I was learning how to drive, told me that. Oh yeah, I love this. Um, yeah, like my my father-in-law, every time, when Christy and I were dating when we were first married and we would visit, like I would, after him being like, hey, nice to see you and greeting, one of the first things he would do, I would look back over my shoulder if we were bringing in like our luggage and he'd have the hood popped on the car. That just arrived? That just arrived, well, you couldn't do that because it'd be hot, it'd be too hot. You can't check the oil when it's hot. But I, I, I do remember finding him very early on and he would, he would have popped the hood and he's checking the oil. And a lot of times he'd be like, Christy, you haven't been checking the oil in the car. The oil is low. And um, I started learning before we would go there that I would check the oil at the house because I knew that he would do it. He would like, the 14 point Jiffy Lube inspection at Bobby's house. <laughs> um, well, and especially when you've got a car, which because my dad was very committed to Do the Dodge brand, uh, for like, Okay. Throughout my entire childhood. Dodge Chrysler? We we had two Dodge Dynasties. We had the Dodge Intrepid. There was a New Yorker. You were excited about that Intrepid. Um, but every single one of these cars, without fail, first of all, if you got a Dodge, the transmission's going out at 100,000 miles or earlier, but it's not, it's not making it past that. And then the second thing is, it starts burning oil at some point. Like it burns oil to the point that you have to keep oil in your car. A quart. And so I remember in college driving that Intrepid and just checking the oil and filling it up. Like gas. Yeah, it was like, it's like you got your gas and then you got your oil. You gotta take care of both <laughs> of them. But it isn't as big of an issue anymore, I I, I don't think. Well the, the light, I mean, you get a more modern car and it's got more lights that tell you stuff and they blink and like, I, I gotta put washer fluid in my car. It's, it's bugging me about that. Oh. That's good. Right. I, I mean, better better to be bugged than to be on the no, side of the road without washer fluid. <laughs> wipe off the bugs. But the thing that I, I I have developed a habit of whenever I go to get in my car, I always look at the tires. Mm. I think one time I realized I'd been driving and like one of my tires was really flat many, many years ago and it kind of burned me. Well, it's, it's always the a cars habit. tell you that now too. Wa wa they do, yeah, if you get a fancy one. 
But it's always nice to just, you know, before you get in your vehicle, just walk around it once. Give like, it the like old, it's a rental. The rental car walk around. Look at those tires, make sure there's nothing dragging. You know, I found a screw in my tire the other day doing this. Yeah, and that's a preemptive catch. You can just you can drive to the place and have them have them uh, plug it. They plugged it up. Good old shell, the velvet hook. Uh Here's here's this piece of advice. You can't control how people act, but you can, can control, did I just say can can? Yeah, you kinda did. We you, all knew what you meant. You can't control how people act, but you can control how you react. This has helped me so many times in life when deciding how to respond in situations and has made me more aware of when I'm letting my reactions overtake me. Ooh, this is good. This is good. You can't, you know, Control is such a big part of my psyche that I, I'm aware you know, of this. <laughs> this type of advice is just great for me. It's like, I find when I'm really anxious, it's because I want something to be a certain way, but I feel powerless. And if I can just parse between what I can actually impact and what I have no control over, it really does Help me. Oh, Link, you're talking about the prayer for serenity that many of you already know. Yeah, give it God to me. grant me the serenity Can to accept. Can you sing it or chant it in a monkish kind of way? I don't know, whatever you God think. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I didn't know that that thing went on. That's only a third of it. That's the only part that you need to know in this context. Grant me the serenity to change. I got to read it again because I was so distracted. Well, I just sang it though. See if you I, can remember it. Okay, I'll see if I can remember it. I was I was just thinking about like that horrible melody. That I think that that was pretty good for like pulling monk melody. God, grant straight me out the of the air. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, but change the things I can't accept. Accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's the parsing that you're talking about. Mm. And uh, boy, man, what if everybody? I mean, first of all, it's one thing to even to know that you should be doing this. Well, I was I was like reflecting on this, and I thought I came up with something, and I wrote it down, and then I went back to look at it. You came up, you like rederived the the, the Serenity Prayer. The, the, this is how I wrote it in my like digital journal. <laughs> Some things you just can't change. Other things you can. Some things you think you can change but can't. And some things you don't think you could have changed but you could have. Those are the sad ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not, would you I like me to sing that? I wasn't, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Here I, it is. I can here sing it. that. I can do that. Okay, here we go. And don't read anything. This is my, don't read any of that other stuff because yeah, yeah. this is my freaking yeah, sure, journal. I see it just says thoughts. Okay. Some things you just can't change. <laughs> Other things you can. Good. Some things you think you can change, but you can't. 
And some things you don't think you could have changed, but you could have. Those are the sad ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm being vulnerable, man. I'm sharing my freaking... I'm sharing Those my journal. Those are the sad ones. I mean, but... And, and I'm like, I think this may be just a, just a perfectionist like thinking. There's a lot of thinking going on in that. A lot, lot too, uh, too much thinking. But it's like, the worst thing is not thinking you could change something and you can't, but thinking you couldn't change something and you could. But that, I, I think that may be torture for me. Oh, well, hold on, no, because once it's happened, you can't go back and change I'm it. Not I'm, I'm, so not you ta- I, no, you, I'm not talking about things in the past. You could, but you, it says you could have. You could have in the past. Yes, and that's sad. That's bad. Those are the sad ones. Don't that, sit around and think about what you could have done differently. That's just those, but I think those about, are the sad ones. <laughs> but I'm thinking about the next thing. It's like, man, I can't do anything about this. But if you could have done something about it, but you convinced yourself you couldn't, that's sad. That's the saddest. Yeah. That's sadder than trying and not being able to change, but that's just futile. Well, I read a book that was, I was gonna make it a uh, a wreck at some point. Maybe I will in the future, but it's your wreck today. Uh, I think it was called The Courage to Be Disliked. Um, and it was all about Adlerian psychology. I think, I think the guy's name was Joseph Adler, but he was basically a guy back in the, the time of Freud and Jung who, you know, what ended up happening is like Freudian psychology ended up kind of winning out in terms of the way people think about things, but there was this guy, mm-hmm. I guess Joseph Adler, who thought differently about things and he was and he had this mentality, it's pretty fascinating, I don't even know what I think about it, but anyway, one of the principles in this book is this idea of in every situation, you basically sort of revisit this parsing that you're talking about, this idea that like mm-hmm. I, can only control myself. I can only control my actions, my reactions, and I wish I could remember the term that he used. Again, I was gonna go back and look at this before I ever talked about it and recommended it, I hate doing this, but there was just this idea of what we what we have such a tendency to do is we just get confused with what our work is, right? And this especially, this especially relates to other people and you get into these very codependent situations where you're just like, if this person would just do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. If this person would just react or react or behave in this way, then I would be okay. And then when you can kind of just release yourself from that, trying to get people to do what you want them to do, what you expect them to do, and realize that the only the only sovereignty I have is over my own actions, and it's like it's been, it's just very freeing, and it's so, so difficult because there is this we do believe that we can change people, you know, and I'm and it's tough because there are people who specialize in helping people change, right? Like so, like if you think about my therapist, well, you might can change me, people, but you can't control people. Well, I mean, the, the the classic analogy you can you know lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So, I do think that we we get all the way sometimes, and we just want to force someone's action. But as it makes me think of uh, as what as Shell, 
yeah. uh, demonstrates. It's 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 more about your. If you focus on the way that you react, you'll be a lot happier. As George Strait sang, "You can lead a heart to love, but you can't make it fall." And I always thought that was a very clunky song. I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I get it. You kind of like a. You're can't a kind make of a it fall. You can't make it. You can't make someone fall in love with you. It's again, it's very clunky. I, I'm 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 not a fan. I think Bonnie Raitt said it much better. Oh yeah, that's a good song. I can't make you love me if you don't. Yeah. Boy, that's a good song. That's her best. Uh, well, I'm not gonna say it's her best. That's Bonnie Raitt's best song. Oh gosh, you name a second Bonnie Raitt song. Exactly. Let's give them something to talk about. Actually, that's you know what? Good. You that's know what? Good, man. I can, I'm I I have a sense that there's some Bonnie Raitt that we don't know about that's really good. Some second rate Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> There's some first rate Bonnie Raitt. So don't you be talking about, if you can't even name two songs, what her best song is. Turn down the lights. I mean, it's so good, man. It's a great song. I mean, song. everything about it is just perfect. Um, I mean, Mark Cohen's best song is not Walking in Memphis. Well, and that's, clearly. I don't want you, I don't, I don't want you to make that mistake. Hold on, Mark Cohn, Mark Cohn's, Walking in Memphis is not even Mark in Mark Cohn's top fifteen songs. Exactly, but I think you're making a walking in Memphis. You're walking in Memphis right now. I'm brother. walking in Bonnie Raitt. I'm walking down Bonnie Raitt Way, and I'm and I've missed a turn. Keisha Johnson. Maybe it's Keisha Johnson. I watched a TED talk by Celeste Headley on how to have a good conversation. Ooh, okay, I like this. My favorite piece of advice she gives was. Enter every conversation assuming you have something to learn. I highly recommend this TED Talk. It's on YouTube, hashtag Ear Biscuits. Enter every conversation assuming you have something to learn. Humility, I mean I'm really, I mean, in light of what's going on and you know, I've really tried to, it, with, the, with the Black Lives Matter movement, Right now, just really, really say, you know what? I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna learn, and I'm gonna make applications. Um, it's really, it's really top of mind for me in 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 that way. But it's so important in general. I think it's 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 not instinctive, you know. It's instinctive to to just react and okay. What is if someone's saying something that could impact me or reflect on me or is someone making an assertion about me? Well, and and then you 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 instinctively take that in and then can react defensively. You know, it's hard to to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. It takes it takes practice to have that kind of mindset, to step out of yourself and how this whatever it is, it, whatever issue impacts me and saying, "Okay, what what is this person really saying? What can I learn in this conversation? You know, I, I think when we go, we've talked about how we go into party settings and we're like interacting with people and you're having these little conversations and the ones that are the most stimulating to us are the ones that's like, when we have a mindset of, when somebody tells me what they do, we talk about, I don't, if you pump a septic tank or if you're you're writing blockbuster films, you we should be able to have an engaging conversation with each person, and I think it's because it's the, it's a little bit of this mentality of 
there's always a question to ask. There's always something to be learned. Hmm. You know, it's like anybody can say, I'm a so-and-so or I do this on Reddit, ask me anything. And underneath you will find rewarding conversations when people have that mindset. It's rewarding for everybody. You know, people feel value, They'll feel, they feel heard and you can learn something. You can learn something from a total asshole. Hmm. Well, I do think that this is, I mean, this is so applicable. And I mean, we're, you know, we're just in the latest sort of polarizing national issue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, this has been going on for a long time now and I mean, the dream of the internet connecting people resulted in the internet dividing people because now there's this democratization of information and people have like separated into these these information bubbles and you you only talk with people who agree with you and then when you do get into these occasions where you have a conversation with someone that you disagree with, the goal is not to find the truth between your two perspectives, the goal is to entrench yourself and defend your position at all costs and I'm guilty of it. Uh, you know, this is like you said, it's just kind of human nature. Um, I was thinking, I'm thinking about, um, I don't know exactly how this relates but this made me think of this quote from Fight Club uh, because I just watched Fight Club recently uh, with Locke. And- World number one. Don't talk about Fight Club. Rule number two. Don't talk about Fight Club. Rule number three. Uh, it's something about if you're new here, you have to fight. If you're first time, I think rule number four is if you're new, if you're first time you have to fight. I think rule number three is the fighting goes until one person stops it or something like that. I think there's only four, I don't know how many rules there are. That wasn't where I was gonna go, but the thing that I, Realize, and this is true of David Fincher movies in general. I actually kind of regretted not putting Fight Club on my top ten list after watching it. I don't know if it would have made the top ten, but you just forget how many good lines are are, are in his movies. It's a very—I mean, just disclaimer: it's a very visceral and violent movie. It could be very disturbing for oh, certain people. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it's not for everyone. One of the things that Brad Pitt's character says in the movie is, um, you know when you're dying, people really, really listen to you instead of just waiting for their turn to talk. Hmm. And and I don't, I'm not really talking about the dying part, but talking about just the default of humans, which is, and I'm super guilty of this, uh, just waiting for my turn to talk, right? You just, you're like, oh, I got something. And um, it's, I mean, it's it's one thing for it to just happen in the context of a friendship or like people hanging out, where it's just like, oh, now we're telling uh, poop yourself stories. All right, <laughs> I got mine. Yeah. And those are fun, those stories are fun, but also that, that kind of conversation can be fun. But I think especially when you're talking about something that you have a disagreement about, not like, uh, there's a, there's a concept that I heard somebody describe one time. You know, you've got what typically happens online, which is the straw man, which is you know you mischaracterize someone's argument and you make it some you distill it down to something that you can easily burn down, take out. Yeah, but there's a different. There's the opposite of that. I think it's called Iron Manning. I don't know, something like that. Okay. Uh, but it's like I'm going to understand and be able to state your position 
in the most defensible way I can think of, right? I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna try to capture the essence of what you're saying in a way that you can agree with. So that then when I disagree with it, you can hear my disagreement because you know you've been heard. Uh, yeah, but, but also there, there's just something, there's just something about like just making yourself willing to go through the process of being like, okay, before I just get, go into my talking points and break out my ideology, I am going to understand and, and be able to say things like, so you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying this, this, and this, and if they say, no, that's not what I'm saying, keep listening. If, and then if mm -hmm. you can finally get to, you're saying this, this, and this, yes. Even if you disagree, there's progress that's been made. There's some kind of common ground because you've at least agreed to have a rational conversation about something, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's just such, it's such a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I quoted George Strait, now I'll quote Clint Black. Put yourself in my shoes, right. walk a mile for me. Yeah. I'll put myself in your shoes and maybe then we'd see that if you put yourself in my shoes, you'd have some sympathy. And if I put myself in your shoes, I'd walk right back to me. Oh, okay, oh this is a love a, story. It's a relationship. That's a good song but, though. I mean, it was. It, that it, is it, a good it, song. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, he's got a new album. I'm not gonna listen to it. Clint Black does? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Ever since he was on The Apprentice. Yeah, I have a different, I It's like once I on saw Clint, not about, Clint Black unplugged completely. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, oh, okay, all right. Ah, uh, yeah, and it has nothing to do with Trump or The Apprentice. Right, it's right. just <laughs> seeing who Clint Black is. <laughs> I mean, it's not that he's not a, He's not like, it's not like I don't like him necessarily. It's just he isn't the person that his songs made him out to be. Did you get, get what I'm saying? Those first two albums, Killing Time and uh, I think it's Put Yourself and in My Shoes. was he writing those songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he wrote some good songs on those two albums. Um, Beth Ann Smith says, after my grandfather died, my mom found a piece of paper tucked in the phone book. Boy, that's classic. Having, having, a, having a note tucked in a phone book. Yeah. Man, remember phone books? You can still get them. Sometimes they'll drop them off at your driveway. Uh, he had written and then tucked into the notebook, quote, today invest in someone else's happiness, end quote. And then Beth Ann said, I think about those words almost every single day. I I love the fact that Beth Ann, that you can you can carry this meaningful part of your grandfather with you at all times. And you know, I I, I picture him writing that and it it was an it was kind of a note to self. You know, he probably went to the phone book a lot. You know, we forget how often you went to the phone book. Every time you had to get in contact with somebody, I mean, I, I had certain numbers memorized and then you had, you know, with the advent of the speed dial, but a lot of times you would, I mean, even as kids, we would go to the phone book a lot. Not just for people, but for places. Oh yeah, you, the got, yellow the, pages, you huh? got the yellow part in the back, you know, anything, any, you talk about Yelp, the, the, yellow, the yellow pages was the Yelp. You had to judge a plumber by his ad. Yeah, there were no reviews, it was just the number part. It's like, does this plumber look smart? So it's whenever he was interacting and it's, 
you know, let's think about this. He was about to make phone a phone call. He was about to have an interaction with somebody. It could be a business, it could be a loved one, it could be a complete stranger. You know, someone where he needed to accomplish something in some way, he was gonna make a phone call to do that. Right. And then right there in front of him was his reminder to himself, invest in someone else's happiness. And here's an opportunity right now. It can be something as simple as, I'm calling you for this reason, A, but by the way, B, I can say a little something to make you happy. I can crack a joke. I can be smiling on the phone and then you it can feel it. It might just change the tone of the way that you yeah. communicate. Well, um, the, the, the thing that uh, it makes me think about is I feel like I know nothing about Beth Ann's grandfather, right? I've never met the man. All I know is that he put this note into a phone book. Yeah. But I know a lot about him because of that, right? Yeah. I know that whether he was like this his entire life or he came to the conclusion later in life that this is actually where his happiness, his true happiness lied, right? Is in investing in somebody else's happiness. And this, I mean, man, it's just, it's such good advice because everybody needs it and we're all very naturally resistant to understanding that because your natural impulse is to invest in your own happiness, right? It's, it's, it's to look out for yourself, it's to think about your circumstances, but when it's, it's, we talked about the whole the idea of the the first mountain and the second mountain, you know the first mountain in life being about you getting to the top of whatever your goals are, mm-hmm. and then either you fall off that mountain or you get to the top. This is that David Brooks book, and and then you're like, oh, there's another mountain I should have been on, and that's the mountain of investing in other people. And if you can get there at some point and make your life where it shifts from your interests. It can be Sounds like it happened with this with her grandfather. Rewarding, and you know, the phrase "pay it forward" comes to mind. The thing that I don't love about that is it implies that you've received something good, and now it's a reminder to give it. I, I'm, you know, I shouldn't pick it apart. I'm sure it's it's a great phrase and is a good mantra. But the thing I like about this is, um. It's not contingent on your experience to invest in someone else's happiness. But w- when you do benefit from from someone enriching your life, I do think it's a good trigger to say, how can I how can I take this experience that was given to me and and re-gift it or also gift it? I don't even have to give up my experience to give yeah. another one. But the thing about it's it's interesting here it doesn't say Today, make someone happy. You know, he says, today, invest in someone else's happiness. Hmm. I think a lot of times there there are people who you you, you know you can't. It would be a magical ability to just make everybody happy. I mean, that's just the work of clowns. <laughs> Some good clowns. <laughs> I mean, I would say the small percentage of clowns. Right. Uh, I'm people, sorry, clowns. It's just, it's just the way it is. But invent, I mean, an investment, in, to me it makes me think that even if you can't make someone happy in the moment, you can you can do something that at least sows a seed of happiness down the road for, for them. So. Well, and also in the context of, you, you, I mean, he's got it in the phone book and we're talking about it in the context with like people that you interact with, you know, acquaintances or whatever. But I also think about it in terms of the closest relationships that you have, right? So mm-hmm. I think about the days that I get home 
it's funny, I was thinking about getting home too because we haven't been getting home. Right. Because we've been at home but so much, but, but we're have, starting to do yeah, that. And so yeah, I, I, so I'm thinking about it more. I get home and I walk into the house, I see Jesse, and I think that a lot of times my disposition is how is her presence or something that she says, can she say or do something that makes me okay with something that happened to me today, right? Like I'm coming into the house thinking about what I can get from her. Part of it is the fact yeah. that Barbara greets to, me at the door and Barbara is all about what she can give to me. <laughs> you know? To invest, yeah, you're, you're willing to receive an investment in your happiness. But if I went in and my mentality was regardless of how bad my day was, I'm going in with the mindset of like, invest in her happiness. And again, you can actually be, you can actually do it for selfish reasons. I mean, just to be completely transparent, like if you're like, because ultimately the weird thing about this is you kind of go full circle and it's just like, this will make you happier. I think that's the beauty of it. I don't yeah. think that's That's the, not the motivation. I'm just saying, but that the, the net result is if you go in with that, surprise, surprise, you will end up being happier ultimately. Yeah, and I think because we are getting out more than our families are, you know, we're in here connecting, having this conversation. This is, I mean, this is an investment in 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 our happiness, right? Mm -hmm. We we're we're getting built up in a way that like they're not leaving the house as much as we are. So when we, when we go back to our families, it's like, hey, I'm I'm I can I'm bringing an energy that. It's hard to just create when you're at home all the time. Yeah. So starting to have more of that mentality, I think, is helpful. Boy, all of this. I thank you for sharing all this advice. Yeah. There's more That's that we good. could talk, talk about. These, Maybe we'll talk about it another time. And these these farts are really smelling good. Yeah. See, that's. I just don't like the analogy. <laughs> um, I'm gonna make a recommendation because. Wreck baby, wreck baby, one, two, three, it's that time. It's the end of the episode. I I wanna recommend that you listen to Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. I was not, I, I didn't know about this song. Time called, in 1999, Time called this song, um, uh, Time Magazine said Strange Fruit was the best song of the century, you know, at, at, at they named it that at the turn of the century. Um, it was recorded by Billie Holiday in, in 1939. It was written by uh, Abel Mirapol two years earlier. Um, it protests the lynching of black Americans uh, with lyrics that compare the victims to the fruit of trees. I mean, if you wanna read about all of this, just go to the Wikipedia, that's where I'm getting this information, but um, it, it's a powerful song in this time. It puts yourself in the shoes of um, someone looking at a photograph of, of a lynching that happened in Indiana hmm. on August 7th, 1930. I mean, upwards of 5,000 black Americans died as a result of lynching. And there are photographs of um, people's, just there are postcards yeah. of of people celebrating and having picnics in the presence of uh, black people being hung from trees, mm -hmm. as as if it's like look at the great thing that we did. It's absolutely horrifying. 
But through this song, I mean, it it turned out to be Billie Holiday's most popular song, and it was it was sold mil- sold over a million records, and um, you know, it was it was a huge. It was a huge risk in her career. Of course, she was advised not to do it. She was very relegated, regulated in the way she could do it. She had to be let out of her recording contract to record this song as an exception. Hmm. And then it became her 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 most popular song. Um it's extremely moving. Again, it's another way to um to 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 stare in, in into the face of this of the the horror of of racism and and um, deal with it. Well, it's kind of a small example of what I see so often online when anybody who's an artist of any kind, entertainer, says anything with conviction that might be interpreted as political. There's this shut up and sing, you know, shut up and dance, shut up and we'll do whatever it is that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it when an artist takes that and actually turns it back on the people who say that and through their art does something that is, that paints the picture in a, in a stark and sort of heart-wrenching way. Yeah, I mean, w- this is on the the playlist that Britt and I created. If you don't know, every, give or take every week on a Saturday night we do, we do a listening party for each other that's different themes and we did a theme of um, songs for change, this is on that playlist, so you can go to my Instagram and click on the IGTV tab and see see all of those episodes, but specifically this one. Go to my Spotify. I got um, all, all the songs for, oh, I didn't mean, that's your laptop, I didn't mean to close it. No, I, I'll be okay. <laughs> go to my spot, you don't need it? There you go, it's gone. Um, I got all types of playlists. Now you're shouting out your Spotify. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you right. can't get on me about shouting out. I haven't I shouted out I, my stuff in I, a long time. I only did it so that you would say that. Uh, Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. That's really um, what you need to listen to. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the advice that was given to you that then you shared with us and hopefully the conversation about it spread all the love and the advice around in all the right places. Invest in someone's happiness today. It's what you make it. We'll uh, we'll talk at you in a few weeks. Enjoy the break from us, but don't forget about us. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. Ear Biscuits.